you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, good morning, Soul City Church. How you doing? Come on now, you just heard Winnie preach it up. How you doing today? Man, oh man, I get to follow two of the most powerful women in my life. So what can I say? I wrote a book on prayer. You should buy it. Pray more. Let's go. We're done. That's, I, what am I, how am I possibly following them? But uh, what, what an honor to have spent this time with uh, Winifred this weekend and for our church to hear just a small update of what God's doing in Walla, Kenya. And we're just so, so grateful for you and so grateful for our friendship and our partnership. And uh, my name is Jared Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. And we are in week two of a new year. All right, so we're doing all right. You guys are doing all right so far. And then we're in week two of a new teaching series called Praying Through. And it's, it's the title of the book and the whole idea of the series and the whole idea of the book is simply this. We just, we want to um, look at the obstacles that might keep us from God, right? All of us have obstacles that, that we kind of create in our life that might keep us from God. And we want to see those actually as invitations to connect with God. The obstacles that might keep you from God are actually invitations for you to connect with God in real and fresh uh, and amazing ways. And so that's the whole heart of the book. That's what we're talking about for these couple weeks in this teaching series. And I'm so, so, so glad that you're here because we want to equip you to have a life of prayer, not a time of prayer, a life of prayer uh, with God. Now, I want to ask a question as we've been talking about prayer. I want to ask you this. Uh, is there anyone here or those of you who are in our overflow spaces or watching online Anyone here feel like you are awesome at prayer? Like, honestly, if they were handing out PhDs in prayer, you would have gotten an honorary PhD in prayer. You're that good at prayer. Like, you're so good at prayer. If anything, you should probably be praying less because you are that good. Anyone want to raise their hand and own that? Really? I'm shocked. No one? Yeah, me neither, actually. In fact, when I set out to write a book on prayer, I felt incredibly intimidated because I'm like, who am I to write a book on prayer? I have been at this for 40 years and still struggle and still wrestle and still get stuck with God. So let me ask another question. Anyone here ever found prayer to be hard or challenging or confusing? Oh, there you all are. That's everyone. All right, yeah, because that's kind of like what I want to do is, is burst the bubble that maybe you have, a perception that you may have about prayer. Because I think what we tend to think about, it, the point of prayer to be is to perfect prayer. Like we're supposed to perfect ourselves in prayer. That is not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not perfection. It is always participation. That's the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not you figuring it all out. I want to let you know something. When it comes to prayer, you are never going to figure it all out, ever, period. Isn't that an encouraging word as we step into this new year? You're never going to figure it all out. But here's the good news. You're not supposed to. That's actually not the point of prayer. The point is participation. Like imagine yourself at like third or fourth grade you, right? And you just started playing basketball. And after a couple weeks of playing basketball, you're frustrated and you quit the team because they haven't drafted you into the NBA yet, right? That doesn't make sense. Or like after a month on the job, you get mad and storm out because they haven't made you CEO yet right? You know that that's actually not how it works. The same is true of prayer. The point is not perfection. It is participation. And if participation is the name of the game, anyone can play with that. You can actually participate with God in prayer, starting right from where you're at. And so that's what I want to look at for 
just the next couple moments, because Jeannie and Winnie left me three minutes for this message, and so, <laughs> you know, I'll hustle through this. How do you and I participate? How do we actually participate with God in prayer? And, and, and most specifically, what do you, what can you do while you're waiting for God to do what only he can do? What, what is it that you can do, how you can participate, while you are waiting for God to do what only he can do? What part do you play in it all? I want to look specifically just for the next few moments about the connection, the, the, the connection that exists between your participation and your direction. The connection between your participation with God in prayer and the direction of your life. And so my kind of simple question to get us into it today is just this, and I want you to think about this as we get into it. Are you living in the direction you are praying? Are you, is your life, are you living in the direction that you are actually praying? In other words, listen to this, are you already moving in the direction you're asking God to move in your life? Are you living in the direction that you are praying? This is a transformational turning point when we get this one right. And I want to help us see what that really looks like by looking at a testament, a story from the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. So grab a Bible and I want you to go to Joshua chapter 3. We're going OT today. So grab a Bible. If you brought one with you, fantastic. We will mark you down for extra credit. If not, there should be one of these Bibles in your seat back or up there if you're in the balcony. It should be, you've already probably knocked it over at this point. Uh, grab one of those and turn to page 171, page 171 in the Soul City Bible. Everyone grab a Bible and turn there so you can see the story for yourself. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to look at what we can do while we wait for God to do what only he can do. Now, uh, I need to give you some context. Like anything when we come to the Bible, there is context. There's already a story going on that we're stepping into. So let me give you some quick context. Uh, this, this account that we're about to look at is similar to what Jean mentioned a minute ago about the deliverance of the people of God out of captivity, out of slavery in Egypt. Right? They are refugees wandering in the wilderness, but they're holding on to a promise that God gave them for a new land. In fact, it was, for the first time, it was going to be their own land. They would finally have their own land. This is a long, long promise of God that they are holding on to. Now, here's the deal. It's been 40 years since they left Egypt. A whole generation has happened, and they have yet to step into that new land. And on top of that, Moses is dead. Their leader that led them out of Egypt is dead. And Joshua is the newly appointed leader, and they're actually right about to step into the fulfillment of that promise of God, but there is one obstacle in the way, and it is the Jordan River that is right in front of them. So let's look at verse 1, Joshua 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and they went to Jordan, and they camped out right before crossing over. All right, so just pause here. I want you to look at the last three words of verse one. What does it say here? It says they camped before what? Crossing over. Now you can read, it's so easy for us to read this down and go, oh, yeah, they're just kind of waiting to cross over. That's actually a really big deal. Before crossing over was significant for them. It was much harder to do than it looks on the page. By best count, there's probably around 2.5 million of them. All right, so this isn't like a couple hundred people walking through the wilderness. This is 2.5 million people. 
plus all their cattle and livestock, plus their carts, plus their tents, plus their coolers that they brought with them, plus everything that was with them, right? Crossing over the Jordan River. You go, okay, that's a lot of people, but come on, how big is our river really? Well, like during the normal part of the year, the river is anywhere between 100 and 200 feet wide. Okay, that doesn't seem that hard. And between somewhere around four to 10 feet deep. Again, not impossible, but as we're going to see here in a minute, the river was actually at flood stage. And during flood stage, the width of the Jordan River can be up to a mile wide. And the current is quickly moving, and it gets significantly deeper. So now you see what a real challenge that is. 2.5 million people. That is like you trying to rally the entire city of Chicago to cross the Chicago River. How easy would that be for you with no bridges or water taxis? And think about it. You already have to deal with all the trash and the tires and bodies. Like, it's already a lot. <laughs> Come on. We're... It's already... There's a reason you don't swim in that river. That, that, it's a lot to consider, right? And so now you get a little bit of a sense. Oh, I see why they're kind of camped out, and they're, they're holding on to the promise of God, but here we are again. And you're like, well, yeah, I know, but earlier in the story, didn't God part the sea for them to walk through? Yes, he did, but that was a generation ago. Many of them had heard the story. Most of them had heard the story, but they hadn't seen it done in their lifetime. This is a significant moment here. So let's jump down to verse 2. After three days, the officers, the leaders among them, went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. And this is what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, those who were in charge of carrying it, and the Ark of the Covenant represented the kind of like a physical manifestation of the presence of God. It let them know that God was with them and amongst them. So when you see them carrying that, you are to move out from your positions where you're camped out and follow it. Then, verse 4, then you will know which way to go since, now this is so encouraging, since you've never been this way before. Now just a quick pause before we continue on in the text. You'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. I wonder if anyone here feels like you're at a point in your life where you're saying, I've never been this way before. Yeah. Right? You're at a point right now in your career, you're like, I've never gotten this far. This is the, I, this is the furthest I've ever gotten. Or I've never been this far where I've been fired from a job. I don't know which way to go. I've never been this way before. Or some of y'all are, are in a relationship and, you, and you're at an impasse and you're wondering, okay, we've never been this way before. Do we keep moving forward? Like, I, I really want to move forward with him, but I'm not even sure he knows we're in a relationship. That might be an important conversation to have, right? <laughs> never been this way before, right? Some of you are in that space with a, in parenting right now. Your kids are moving into a new stage and you're realizing what worked before does not work anymore. You've never been this way before. And so rather than shaming yourself or getting stuck or stopping, the encouragement here is, no, 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 God sees, God knows, and he's going to provide a way for you. How could you possibly know which way to go? But God does. But God does. So look what Joshua says in verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. That's probably a word you haven't ever used in your life. Consecrate yourselves for when? For tomorrow. Say it again. For Tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. Again, not a word you typically use in a sentence, but what does that mean? Consecrate means to, to prepare yourself, to set yourself up. It means to do whatever you got to do to get ready for God to do what he's going to do. It means that you are to prepare yourself today for the amazing things that God will do 
tomorrow, I can't, as I was writing this message and thinking about our time together here this weekend, I can't tell you, I wondered how many things of God I've missed in my life because I wasn't ready for him to move. I wonder, like honestly, I wonder how many movements of God I've personally missed because I wasn't ready. I wasn't looking for God to move. I wasn't expecting God to move. The invitation here is to consecrate yourself, set yourself up, get into a place, get yourself ready for God to move your life. I just, I had to reflect and think, God, how many things, how many times did I miss you showing up because I hadn't set up my life for you to move? Now listen, you may not use the word consecrate ever again for the rest of your life, but you're actually really good at consecrating yourself. You already are. You know how to consecrate yourself. You know how I know? Because those of you who are single, when you're getting ready to go out at night to the club, I, I don't know where single people go. I, I'm old. I don't know, but just play along with the story. You're getting ready, and you're in the mirror consecrating yourself. You're putting on your lipstick. You're putting on your makeup, your best outfit. You're sucking in a little bit, right? Your best shoes, right? What are you doing? You're preparing yourself in the mirror for what might happen later in the night, that you might meet someone, that you might know someone, that you might start a relationship with someone. You are, con- you are setting yourself up in this moment for that moment, right? For those of you who've ever applied for a job before, right, you've consecrated yourself by helping your resume out, by making the truth sound better, right, with (laughs) adjectives and maybe some exaggeration of roles and responsibilities you have. You're consecrating your resume, you're consecrating, you're preparing yourself in the hopes that the interview will go well. You already know how to do something in this moment for that moment. And so the invitation from God is, are you doing that for me? Do you do that for me? Do you set yourself up for me to show up in your life? Because here's what I found to be true in my life. Test it out and see if it's true in yours. Here's what I found to be true in my life. That tomorrow's provision is somehow tied to today's position. Tomorrow's provision, God's providing for me tomorrow. Whatever that amazing thing is that God is going to do in my life tomorrow, this month, this next year, is somehow spiritually tied to the position that I take before God. Am I willing to humble myself before God and say, God, I need you to move and I'm ready for you to move. It's somehow tied to my position of confessing sin that has separated me. God, this habit, this pattern has kept me out of presence with you. And God, I want to let go of any unhealthy habit, any harmful, destructive relationship that's keeping me from moving the direction that I'm asking you to move. God, is there anything that is keeping me in my life from receiving the provision you have for me tomorrow? I'm going to take the position, God, of getting it right today. Somehow those things are tied together. And so what we see in this story is Joshua tells the people, get in position. Get yourselves in a right position with God today because God's power and provision is coming tomorrow. Get ready. Jump down to verse 15. We're going to move along in this story. Jump down to verse 15. Now, remember, we talked about this a second ago. Now, the Jordan River is at flood stage all during harvest. So it is a mighty moving river. Yet, listen to this, yet as soon as the priests, remember them, who were carrying the ark, reached the Jordan, and their, what does it say, and their feet touched that water's edge, that river's edge, as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, the water from where? From 
upstream stopped flowing way up there where they could not see. In fact, the text says it piled up in a heap a great distance away. This is a powerful, powerful truth that God already stopped that river where? Upstream. He stopped it for that. So there were some people living upstream going, what the heck is happening here? They didn't know that God was moving on behalf of people down there. They had no idea what God was actually already up to. And I know how this is because when I'm all stuck, when you're all stuck in your present circumstances and you don't know what to do or you don't know where to go because you've never been to this point before, you don't know what the way is, and everything in front of you looks like a mighty rushing river, and you begin to think of yourself, there's no way, there's no way. God, there's no way for you to move. What you don't see is that upstream, God has already moved on your behalf. You just haven't seen it yet. You haven't received it yet, but he's actually already working and moving on your behalf, far off on your behalf. In fact, there's a phrase that church folks like to use. They like to say, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Right? Won't he do it? Here's what I would add to that. He's already doing it. He's already doing it upstream. And you have no idea what God has in store for you today because of what he already started yesterday upstream. Powerful, powerful teaching. Come on now. Some of you, some of you are, are, are looking for a job. You're, you just want a job, right? You don't care if it's a good job. You just want a job, one that pays you money. You don't care about your gifts, pal- you know, passion, passions and talents and all that stuff aligning your life. You want money. And so you're asking God for a job and you're begging God, I just need a job. I need a job. I need a job. I need a good paying job. And what you don't see, like what you can't know is that God already in some organization you don't even know about yet has been moving some things around in management, right? And there was a transfer or there was someone who took another job and a position opened up and all of a sudden you step in and God had already been working it out for you right upstream and you're just stepping into the work that God was already doing, right? Some of you move to the city and you're like, oh, I just want to find a good church, right? And that's a good thing. Or maybe you're kind of trying to get right with God in the new year and you're saying, oh, I just want to find a good church, which is crazy hard to do. I don't understand why, but it's so hard to do. And so you're wondering, I just wonder, is this going to be a good church? Is this going to be a good church? And what you don't know is that nine years ago, people put their feet to the water and they said, we believe God's moving and God started this church so that you could walk in today and go, this one seems pretty nice, right? (laughs) You have no idea what God has already been up to on your behalf. In fact, Jeannie and I personally, I mentioned this, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details because it's between us and God, but I mentioned it last week. Jeannie and I are set out to give more than we've ever given to God before in our life. And as we ran the numbers this year in 2020, we want to give more than we've ever given to God. We want to be pushed out on the edge with God, right? I looked at the numbers. It doesn't add up, (laughs) right? I'm like, God, I know you're better at math than I am, But this doesn't add up. And yet in faith, God, we're believing as we set out to give to you more than we've ever given, you'll provide every resource that we haven't seen, every resource we don't know, so that at the time of giving, we're stepping into what you've already been doing. This is what we're talking about. We wonder and we worry whether God will move, but he's already done it on your behalf upstream. And you see what it says there, right? Please don't miss this in verse 15. It says, yet as soon as their feet touched the water as soon as that timing, that perfect timing of God, you know, all the preparation, those three days of camping out. And finally they go, well, nothing's changing here, but we're moving forward in faith. And as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, it stopped right in front of them. That is what we're talking about when we talk about participation with God, that you participate in the movement of God. They had to step out. 
They had to move in the direction that God was already moving. They had to live in the direction of their prayer. And the thing that they model to us and the thing that I found to be true in my life and I hope you experience in 2020 is that every time you step out in faith, you know what you're stepping into? God's faithfulness. You cannot step out in faith without stepping into the dry ground of God's faithfulness. It's actually not possible. And I know it seems scary as you're like, oh, God, really? It's like moving fast. Like, I really hope someone brought an inner tube or a mat or something because this is not going to work. You cannot step out in faith without stepping onto and into God's faithfulness and the work that he's already been doing in your life for your behalf. Come on, how many of y'all know that God goes ahead of you? God actually, the Bible says God goes ahead of you in every area of your life. That is true. But you know what else is? You got to keep going. He goes ahead of you, but you have to keep going. You have to be willing to step out in faith to trust his faithfulness. We saw this yesterday when we were with Winnie. We were spending time in Chicago, and we had to take her around because there's some gifts she wanted to get for her family and and so um, we went to Water Tower Place, you know, and we're like, well, let's show you Michigan Avenue, and we're going to take you here. And, we'll, and so we're about to get it. And Winnie has a history with escalators. <laughs> Doesn't like them. And so, as you can imagine, in Machakas and in Moala, where Winnie is from, not a lot of escalators, right, Winnie? There's not a lot of escalators. And so she had some uh, bad incident with an escalator and some luggage. And so we went to Water Tower Place to do some shopping, and that place is nothing if not escalators. It's literally <laughs> escalators in a few stores, right? And so, so we said to her when we got there, like, Winnie, do you want to try? Do you want to try doing the escalator? And so her and Jeannie got there, and, and sweet, you know, Elijah goes, I'll go first, Winnie. You can follow me. And so he takes the first step, and he went up the escalator. She stood there. And then he came back down, and she was still standing there, right? And we're standing there, and there, a little bit of line had formed behind, and I'm talking to the guy behind me. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, this is, you know, she's got a thing with escalators, and first time in Chicago, and so we're trying to help her, and I'm, you know, God's about to move. Be faithful. Hold steady. God's going to move. You know, I'm kind of, and so we didn't do it at, that, at Water Tower. So we said, okay, we found the elevators. <laughs> okay, they have nice elevators. And so we did that, and then we took her to lunch at Chick-fil-A, because you got to get that Jesus chicken. And so... <laughs> I don't know if it was the Jesus chicken or something God was doing in Winnie, but it, we had one last store to go to, and it was uh, the Nordstrom Rack right there in Michigan and Chicago, you know, and so we go, Winnie, they have an escalator. Do we, I mean, this is it. You know, we got to the bottom of it, and that's a big escalator, actually. We looked up at it, and she went, let's take the elevator. So we took the elevator, <laughs> went to the top, did some shopping, and then we, we were about to leave. I'm like, Winnie, this is it. It's your last shot. Like, like you know, I don't know if you're going to have a bunch more escalator experience. Let's, you want to do this with me? Yes, okay, yes, I want to do that. And so we stood there and looked at the escalator. And again, our sweet kids, you know, Gigi said, Winnie, just follow me. I'll do it. And so Gigi got on and rode down that long escalator and then rode back up. <laughs> and Winnie's still standing. And now there was a real line of people. That, and they weren't bothered. They were kind of like getting into it. Like, Winnie, Winnie. Like they were like feeling, I don't know, they were feeling this moment, right, that, that Winnie was having. And so we had a couple three, two, one no's, right? But then eventually we just got to a point where it was three, two, one, go. And she took that step of faith, and we were holding hands very tightly, right? And she rode down that escalator, and there was like, like people were genuinely excited. I think we can celebrate that massive move of faith in Winnie in her life. And it's, you know, for you, it's like, okay, it's an escalator, it's no big deal. But this is, that's what it's like with God. It's like, oh, God, this looks dangerous. I've never been here before. I don't know how to do this. I've had maybe bad experience with this before, but... I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out in faith because I can count on the fact when I step out in faith, I'm stepping into your faithfulness. 
So the story concludes in verse 17. It says, The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped, I love this, in the middle of the Jordan and stood on what? Dry ground. They stood right there on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation completed crossing on dry ground. See, this is what participation in prayer looks like. I move myself in the direction that I'm asking God to move in my life. Does that make sense? I think this is big. I think if you, if you were to stop and, and, and kind of fast forward in the Bible and look at each of the miracles of Jesus, just about every single one of the miracles of Jesus involves participation. These mighty acts of God's power on display to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring mercy, to bring dignity, all of them, just about every single one, involved participation. His first miracle of turning the water to wine, what does he say to the servants? Go and get the water jars, and when you put in the scoop and bring it out, you will see. And boom, as they participated, that water was turned into wine. You think about the feeding of the 5,000, a massive moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. Well, it all started with someone bringing their Lunchables to Jesus, saying, can you do something with this? They got to participate in that miracle. The man who was paralyzed from birth, laying on a mat his whole life in poverty, his friends break open the roof to a room where Jesus was at and lower him in. They participated in that miracle of God. The woman who had suffered internal bleeding her whole entire life knew that if she could just participate and reach out and grab onto the cloak of Jesus, she would be healed because she believed there was healing in his wings. She participated in that miracle. This is how it works in prayer. And this is why I believe our African brothers and sisters got it right. They say that when you pray, move your feet. When you pray, move your feet too. Don't just fold your hands or open your hands. Move your feet. Move in the direction that you're asking God to move in your life because you are much more able, I am much more able to see God move in my life when I'm moving in the same direction I'm asking him to move. Right? How many of you all ever had like a, a car die on you before, run out of gas or dead battery? Come on, we live in the Midwest. Anything can happen, right? How many of y'all know that when you're pushing a car, when you're trying to get it out of the road or off to the side, those tires are hard to turn when the car's in park, right? But you know that once that car gets moving a little bit, it's much easier to turn that wheel, right? Same is true of your life. When you are moving in the direction you're asking God to move, you are open and available for God to move so much more in your life. Listen, it's one thing to pray. Please, I just want you to get this, and I'm going to wrap up. It's one thing to pray, God, I just want to meet a good person. I just want to meet and then very soon after marry a good person. Is there one good person in Chicago? If that is a, listen to me, that is a valid prayer, right? God, I want to meet someone good that I can partner with in my life. That is a powerful and important prayer to God. It's one thing to pray that, but then to keep hanging out in places, places where good people aren't at. God, I want you to move, but I'm still going over here with these folks. I'm going to still hang out with them, right? You see how it doesn't quite work that way, does it? God, I want you to restore this relationship. God, I want you to bring healing in this relationship. God, I want you to move a restoration work in this relationship. But I'm not forgiving them. Or I'm not going to ask forgiveness for the things that I did to contribute to the breakdown of this relationship. Come on, I want God, I want you to move in my life. God, I, I want to be financially free. God, I want to see you move. 2020 is the year of Jubilee, Lord. I believe I'm going to be financially free, but I'm going to keep buying the stuff that I don't need. Or I'm going to refuse to trust God with just a portion of what he's entrusted to me. God, I'm not going to do that, but you can do whatever. God, you can do all the things, but I'm not going to do anything. 
God, I want to be healthy and whole. This is the year, God, total body, mind, soul, body, let's go. God, I want to be healthy in this year. But you keep eating Taco Bell <laughs> at 3 a.m. for the third night in a row. He's a way maker, but come on now, right? I, I can pray and pray and pray and pray, but am I willing to live into the direction that God has actually calling me into. Listen, we know this personally. Our son Elijah is in eighth grade. He's about to graduate from eighth grade. I can't believe I'm saying those words out loud. He's grown up at this church. And he's been a part of CPS all the way through, right? And we love our school and we love where they're at. And, but it, for those of you who've grown up, city kids, grown up through CPS, you know that moment where you have to get to high school is not easy. The city does not make it easy on you. It's a broken system. And these poor kids have to study and test and have to get perfect grades to be able just to be eligible just to apply to the schools that they want to go to. He's facing more stress and pressure than I did applying for college, right? And so it's one thing for us, to, and we have prayed for two years. now. We've known this day was coming. For two years, we've prayed and said, God, we want you to provide a school where our kids can thrive. Got a high school situation where they can be a light for you, where they can have fun, where they can learn, where they can grow, where you'll set them up. God, we are praying. We have prayed big prayers over our kids as we think about the next chapter of their life. It's one thing for us as his parents to pray those prayers over him, but imagine us praying those prayers for Elijah and never once filling out a single application. Never once actually taking them to the testing center where they got to take the test for four or five hours. Never once hiring a tutor. Believe me, we have hired a tutor to help him get. Never once sending an email to every single person we know in a position of power in the city of Chicago to make something happen on our kids' behalf. Believe me, we can pray that prayer and I believe that God can move, but God has invited us to partner with him to do whatever we can do while we're asking him to do what only he can do. And that really is what it all comes down to. We say it a lot about transformation around here, but I, I think the same principle applies for prayer. This is what it looks like to participate with God in prayer. It's basically this. Do what only you can do while God does what only he can do. Do what only you can do while God does what only he can do. And I would contend what he's already doing on your behalf. Maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Maybe you haven't received it yet. Would you be willing to hold on, hold on to hope, Keep believing big in God and aligning your life with the lines that you pray in your prayers. Moving in the direction that you're actually asking God to move in your life. Positioning yourself today for God's provision tomorrow. And that really is, that's, that's it. Uh, that's the, you know, every week we try and have some homework around here and ways that we can live this out in our everyday life. And I think back to this last Sunday when we, I hope you were here this last Sunday. It was a powerful kickoff to this new year. And we talked about what it means to believe big in a big God. What does it mean for us to pray big, to believe big in a big God? We wrote down these little prayers on these tags. And we hung them out in the lobby. You can see them right afterwards. It is a powerful moment for you to go look at some of the prayers this church is praying. But then on Tuesday night, when we had our big night of prayer and worship, and we celebrated this book finally being out into the world, we took every single one of those prayers that we prayed on Sunday and we brought them into this room and we literally lifted them up to God and prayed for them. Some of y'all have people in this church that have prayed for you that God would move in your life that you've never even met. Praying and believing with you that God can and God will. So the homework for this week is for whatever it is that you're praying big for, whatever it is you're believing big for, whatever it is you are desperately declaring for this year, for your life, are you willing to adjust, to align, 
to move forward in your life to line up with the prayers that you're praying. Any unhealthy habits, patterns of sin, any toxic relationships or old places that you're used to going, old stories that for some reason you're still holding on to that you need to let go and say, no, 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 no. God's going to do a great work in my midst. He's going to do amazing things. I'm preparing myself today for that. I'm setting myself up for God to show up in my life. Is there anything that you can do, that you need to do, to align your life with the prayer that you're praying for this year? So what I want to do is pray for you as you do that. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want to pray for you. And we're actually going to call out to God and declare his goodness and his faithfulness and all of who he is in our lives. And so if you want to open your hands up as we pray, maybe like an African proverb, just in your seat, just kind of move your feet a little bit, you know, like, God, I'm ready to move my feet. I'm ready to move in the direction you're leading me. Can I just pray for you right now? And we'll declare God's goodness together before we go. God, we thank you for the fact that you are a faithful God that every step of faith that we take out, as risky and scary as it seems, God, we're actually only stepping into the dry ground of your faithfulness, God. You've already done a work upstream that we just haven't seen yet. God, we actually believe that. It may seem like foolish hope, but God, that's what we put our faith in, that you are a God who goes above and beyond things seen and unseen, that you always only have our best in mind. Your best is our best, God. So would you help us, God, to do what only we can do, to trust your timing, to trust your goodness, and to align our lives, to position our lives, to begin to move forward in the direction that you're praying us. God, we know that every step we take, you will meet us there. And so, God, we just want to declare thank you for all of who you are and all that you are already doing. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen.